Wine Monk Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Welcome back uh, after the intermission. Now we're going to talk about the cigars. We've got a couple different ones that we're going to pair and see... uh, which ones work best with this XM Petite Syrah? Shine, if you could go through uh, the three cigars that we're going to be pairing. So the first one we have is a, technically the cigar is made by La Aurora in their factory in Dominican Republic. It's a Viva Republica guerrilla warfare, and it was a special project done by Jason Holly and Guillermo Leone, the uh, owner of La Aurora down in Dominican Republic. It's an extremely powerful Petty Corona, it's a 4x41, and most of these I've smoked over the last couple years have taken about 45 minutes to an hour, up to an hour and 15 minutes to smoke. And it's arguably the best and strongest commercial Petty Corona that I've smoked. So, Cody, is that the first one you're going to smoke? Yeah. The Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona. Then we have, I'm going to be smoking a, uh, just kind of a classic benchmark cigar, a not commercial, it's a Cuban. Partagas Siri D number four, a Siri du Connoisseur number four, an old Cuban classic. Uh, just a real full-powered, complex Robusto, a classic Cuban Robusto. And then Cody brought a cigar I've never smoked, and I've only seen three of these. It is a Leaf by Oscar Maduro, mm-hmm. and it is a cigar wrapped within a cigar leaf and then has an additional band on the outside holding the leaf around the cigar and he's actually just unwrapped it you might have heard it crinkling in the background so apparently you were you were saying before we started recording that that was actually the tradition for what cigars looked like prior to like in the 1850s and that sort of thing yeah they were wrapped in that cigar leaf you can look back historically um in the archives of cigar history and see that globally one of the ways to preserve cigars from coming apart was they would typically be wrapped in um, silk or wrapped in tissue paper or some kind of paper, even craft paper, or wrapped in a tobacco leaf or just some type of band. There's all kinds of different stories and legends from Cuba, from Europe. I think the biggest myth with cigar bands is the, uh, I think it's the myth of the Russian czar. It might even be um, a daughter, Catherine. Who's the, who's the daughter of a Russian czar? Real famous. There's lots. In the 1800s. I figured you would know. Uh, there was a Catherine. There was an Anastasia. There was a, a few others whose if, names... Is... It's either Catherine or Anastasia or Anastasia. Probably the most well-known myth of how cigar bands were formed is one of these uh, Russian czar's daughters didn't like to get... Um, tobacco oils on her fingers or on her white gloves and so one of the myths of how cigar bands came into being is that someone took some canvas or some paper and wrapped like a two or three inch band around a cigar so she could smoke cigars without soiling her dainty uh, zarina fingers or her white silk gloves Hmm. so that's one of the many myths out there with cigars but the uh, focus while we're here as Cody mentioned earlier in his podcast, is pairing the Southwest Wine Center, 
Petit Sera XM helicopter with cigars, and we have a uh, cigar landing. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> cigar. <laughs> yes, so cigar the cigars land have landed. The we have a helicopter in the background <laughs> landing at the local municipal airport. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting dehydrated. Let me get some wine. So you were saying that this is an entubado style, where you wrap every individual cigar leaf for, yeah. for the guerrilla warfare. The, I don't know if they did that. I don't know if Jason Holly and the folks at uh, La Aurora did it on every single cigar. But the first couple that I smoked um, in the last couple of years, I think they came out in 2013, if I'm not wrong. The, uh, they were renowned because they used Intubato-style rolling, and it's just an old classic Cuban cigar rolling technique where every single leaf in the filler is rolled into a little tube and they group these tubes together and they group them with a binder and then wrap it and it's an extremely time-consuming process that makes for a phenomenal smoking cigar. So it's just something, it's a mark of distinction that separates that Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona from any other cigar on the market. We're lighting cigars here, so bear with us. This already has got a, a really nice character to it. Yeah, I think you'll you'll find the strength of that and the flavor and aroma surprising. Now, Robusto versus Maduro. What are some of the key differences for listeners who don't know uh, as much about cigars who know even less than, say, you know, me? Well, generally speaking, a Robusto size in a Maduro is more of the um, construction. It's a, a darker tobacco. And so a Robusto is literally just a size of a cigar. Okay. And then a Maduro is not so much the size, it's a darker tobacco. And you can you can tell looking at the Partagas Robusto I'm smoking and the Leaf Maduro, you can see the very dark, I wouldn't even call it Colorado shading in typical uh, Cuban or Spanish terms for grading of cigar colors, leaf color. Uh, I would definitely call that a Maduro or even a Maduro Oscuro, a dark okay. Maduro. Um, so what's the difference between, say, a Corojo and a Maduro? Of tobacco. Like a sound um, too ignorant, but it's a varietal of tobacco. Okay. Similar to wine, where Petit Syrah is a varietal of grape, Corojo is a varietal of tobacco leaf, just like Criollo. Um, one of the, I believe that's a... It's also a term for a specific varietal of tobacco leaf, much like a, a Cabernet Sauvignon or a what would be another big difference in grape varietals. I'll say between Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot or... Or Syrah and Petit Syrah. Would that be appropriate? Yeah. Cody's got himself quite the challenge here. He's got uh, two cigars lit at the same time. He has lit the... Because um, I'm... Viva Republica, Guerrilla Warfare, Petty Corona, and the Leaf Maduro. And he is uh, double fisting. I'm not sure if it's a wine term or a beer drinking in red plastic cups term. He is double fisting. We have to have them have at least three lit, I think, to discuss which of these be a better pairing. Well, I'm going to, now that I'm about a good quarter inch, several puffs into this uh, part of the Serie D number four, actually have a taste of the Petit Sirah. I think I lit both of these very badly. Let me see if I can give you a hand here. Hold on. <laughs> it looks like you just need a little bit of a touch-up. 
Yeah. That's all. I'll hand you the uh, Guerrilla Warfare first. You got it. I'll just touch this guy up. Yeah, it just looks like one little edge didn't kind of get lit. There we go. There we go. Yep, that guy's fixed up. And Ooh, a few classic. Would... Classic tasting. Distinct, distinct taste difference with it. From La Aurora and this Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare, this thing is just a fantastic stick. And it's only a third of an inch into it. I love the smell of cigars. I wish I could smoke. I used to smoke cigars, but I don't do that kind of stuff anymore. And we're just going to touch up this leaf Maduro here. Bloody brains change your habits. <laughs> yeah, leaf Maduro on the foot. We're going to just touch that up, get it caught up. It's a little bit windy out. It was like a three to five mile an hour breeze. The heat is abated. It's about in the high 90s, which is nice compared to earlier. It was which is nice compared to earlier it, it does not feel like stepping out well. into crematoria uh if you are chronicles of riddick fan i really am digging the guerrilla warfare that is phenomenal it's a uh, unique smoke and it punches way over its size and its weight and ring gauge yeah you can you can put that up against any robusto corona which corona i'm about border. to try it's got a beautiful aroma in case uh, Elizabeth wants to get some pictures of me double fisting again. <laughs> this leaf Maduro is actually a surprising, has a real unique surprising aroma and a very surprising taste. It, um, there's definitely some pepper in the opening. Now the foot's good and lit and you've got a nice, a nice light gray ash on this leaf Maduro. There's distinct white pepper and a faint black pepper. So when you say it's surprising, in, in what sense is it really surprising? Just unexpected flavor profile, or yeah, having never smoked one, it's unexpected. So I had expectations going in on the limited amount I've read on it. Um, typically, some Maduros can be renowned for being sweet. Hmm. Um, a sweeter, even though they're full. Most Maduros are known as being full-powered cigars. They're they're typically grown with. Uh, or constructed with Lajero tobacco or the higher primings of the upper third of the tobacco plant. Some are even grown with tempo that are the most enriched with sap and nutrients and they're the youngest and the ones that are exposed to the sun the most. So depending on where the Maduro tobacco is from, San Andreas in Mexico, Olor um, oh, yeah. in Dominican Republic, even some of the Maduros, the Fuentes put out in the Dominican Republic. Um, this leaf by Oscar Maduro is a distinct differentiation from the rest of Maduro's in the market. A big part of that is the way that Oscar ages his tobaccos is that it looked like there was a light green, almost khaki brown, a Colorado Claro okay. leaf color, very light khaki, old candela green that surprisingly a Maduro was wrapped in. You would think, logic or traditionally, a Maduro cigar would be wrapped in a Maduro leaf, a dark tobacco leaf, not a light leaf. It's a very unique cigar. So one of my questions, again, uh, for the listeners and also for me, um, to Warren Cigars. Is it a thing? Could a experienced blind cigar taster, blindly tasting a cigar, tell you, oh, this is Dominican because of these flavors, or this is Cuban because of these flavors? Absolutely. In a... A, a very common, probably the best known public example of that is 
Marvin Shank and his group of true connoisseurs at Cigar Aficionado. That's one of the reference points in the cigar industry. They, ooh, they um, blind taste and consistently throughout the year test and blind taste all the cigars they get. They come up with their annual best 25 cigars of the year. And there's actually a thing right now in late June 2018 um, Cigar Aficionado, give them a quick plug here. They're not sponsoring us, we're not affiliated in any way, they're not paying us to say this. But if they want to pay us, I won't say no. We'll be more than happy to cash the check. <laughs> um, Marvin Shankin and Carlos Fuente Jr. just did a tasting on the number one cigar for 2017. It was the Arturo Fuente Don Carlos Eye of the Shark. So that's a very prestigious award. Uh, I don't know what would be that equivalent in the wine world for um, the, you know, Cigar Aficionado is, you know, home to some of the uh, early 90s, I think Marvin 92. I mean, I guess the closest thing I can think of would be getting like a 90 plus point score or, or a 95 or even a 100 point score. Yeah, 90 uh, plus. Usually the top 25 are, they're generally 90 plus cigars. It's rare they'll break 95. So yeah, that absolutely happens in the cigar industry, and there are equivalent, equivalent to the, you know, less than 200 sommeliers globally in the wine industry, in the cigar industry, where people have been around 30, 40, 50 years, or 20 years as tasters. Almost any cigar factory worth its salt has people on staff, full-time paid employees. All they do is smoke cigars every day to make sure the product that's getting put out is representative of the brand. Being an agricultural product, just like wine, you can't have a robot clone wine every yeah. year, year after year, bottle to bottle, case to case. I mean, you can if you do blending characters. That's kind of the, the house champagne, is that blenders are blending sure. it to try and get it to basically taste the same or close to the same from one bottle to the next, from one vintage next. Hence the Cognacs, Armagnacs, yeah. Calvados. The, God, I love Calvados. The, some of the more prominent wine. Um, yeah, it's the same thing with cigars. The crops are different. Some years are better than others. Than others. Some years are worse. There's hurricanes. This year there were floods uh, two yeah. or three months ago in Cuba. There's going to be a serious dent in the tobacco. But to answer your question, yeah, there's um, reviews at the forefront of the cigar industry. Blind taste cigars and then find out what it is after they've compiled their notes the brand and the band is revealed okay so and yeah i mean i understand if you, something consistent would be like a you know five dollar box wine at walmart or you know an, an average california cab right or, or there are labels who like want that consistency because that's marketability and you're not here to knock any wines no i mean we're those wines exist for for very good reasons. Yeah, and we're in a and also some of the best wines in the world, like House Champagnes. Like you know, yeah, it's an eighty dollar bottle of Bollinger or something, and they taste and see. Okay, so if I want this vintage to kind of taste like the other vintages, because it's not a declared vintage, you know, then we got to make sure that it'll taste the same, so that way you can get this bottle the same as one you got ten years ago. And that gets us back to your original question. Is wine and cigar pairing a thing? It absolutely is. And I've uh, will warn your listeners of your podcast that it is an easily overdoable thing. You know, testing the limits of your wine and cigar pairing abilities with super strong, medium to full or straight up full powered cigars like that Viva Republic. It's it's, yeah, it's packing quite a punch. Its size belies its strength. And then you add on top of that a Petit Syrah XM. That's quite the combo. 
I wouldn't recommend that anyone smoke two or three Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Coronas and drink two or three bottles of Petite Sirah XM. Good news is you on, honestly can't find either on the market right now. Good luck finding the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare, yeah. and good luck getting your hands on some Petite Sirah XM. They're uh, hen's teeth, so to speak. Extremely rare. You know I like to personify, of course, my wines, but if I was to personify this cigar... One of my favorite people in the world is uh, Rose Sunken at uh, Flying Leap. She's the assistant winemaker to Rolf. Uh, she's tiny and adorable, but absolutely fierce. And will kick your ass if you're not paying attention. And she's a wonderful person. And I once described her actually uh, at, to her, actually, as you're tiny and fierce. <laughs> Which she thought was hysterical. And I feel like this... this uh, Viva Republica is very reminiscent of her in that way. It's, it's a tiny cigar, but it's very fierce and very well bold. Well played, sir. But extremely smooth. I, as Which I believe is. You'll find you're about you're in between the first quarter to the. I can draw comparisons having smoked enough of both over, particularly with the, the Partagas Series D number four over 28 years. Not so much with the Viva Republic of Guerrilla Warfare. They both share a common theme of dark cocoa. Okay. Or a 70% dark chocolate. So we've actually got in front of us, under heavily weighted materials, a cigar flavor wheel. Which I think was really, really cool because there's a wine flavor wheel that I'm familiar with that Elizabeth is very familiar with. Now, I'm not as experienced in parsing a cigar in terms of flavors like I am with wine. I'll hand you this part, I guess, Cody. I will hand you. And I'll let you get a couple good draws on it. Which one would you like to take that? I'm robbing you, the Viva Republica. And after you get a couple I'll survive. Probably. A couple of good taste and a couple of good retrohales. I'll ask you if you taste a few certain things, but I'll let you draw your own conclusions. So for those, some... for, for those of you listening at home, could you explain what a, a retrohale is? The simple act of drawing the smoke into your mouth and then closing your mouth, and instead of inhaling it into your lungs, you just blow the smoke out your nose. Uh, this book called Neuroenology, which I do highly recommend. Uh, have you read that yet, Elizabeth? Not yet. Do you need to borrow a copy? I've got a copy. I just haven't had time okay. to read it yet. Um, but there's this idea of, of that sort of retronasal character in wine that's often a characteristic and aromas that come in on the finish of a wine. Coming that retronasal wine as it's going down the esophagus. So it's same idea, except you're not obviously breathing in a cigar, exhaling through the nose, but it's the same idea. So would it be a stretch to ask if you taste leather or cinnamon or cedar in that part of the Serie D number four? Cedar, definitely. Cinnamon, definitely. And I don't mean heavy, but a faint. They're faint. The leather is there, too, very faint. And do I'm you... also getting a little bit of a, a, a sort of a graphite character. A mineral. Definitely a strong minerality. Almost a, a fruity character. Which they're renowned for. You'll, I believe you'll find as it goes, a part of a Serie D is renowned for building in complexity and flavors. I, I don't know what stone fruit, it's a stone fruit, but I don't know which one I would I would say. And then also it's got this kind of like a, a toasted, roasted walnut character too. I could see that. I could definitely see that. A lightly toasted walnut, almost a, a buttered almond. Yeah. As strange as that sounds. And this feel, this is definitely much lighter than um, Guerrilla Warfare. I'm also getting just a little bit of a, a cacao character too. Yeah, not a, not a sugared... Not a milk chocolate, but it's, it's like straight steak. up cacao. I, I don't know if you've ever yes. tried straight up cacao, cacao nibs, where it's you know powder. sort of bitter, and, and but you've got that sort of almost chocolate thing going on. I'm getting a lot of that cacao, now. Cacao butter. Cacao. Sorry, that's <clears> a good one. Well played. 
So I'm gonna parse, try and parse, I should say, the the leaf. Yeah, this Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona is definitely coming into its strength right now. We're a, th a third of the way, way into it. That guy and the Partagus, because it's got about a good inch and a half. Out. There we go. On the note of ashing, I'd like to ask you a question about that. Are you axing or are you ashing? Yes. <laughs> I grew up in Atlanta, so it, I, it was very common for me to hear axing. So you're ashing me. A lot of people talk about this whole character of legs, and it's kind of a divisive thing, because everyone who goes into the taste room who doesn't know anything about wine is always, Oh, look at the legs! Oh my god, Daryl! Look at the legs on this wine, it's great! And we, Apparently he's from Bronx, Australia there, but anyway. <laughs> and, I, and I have to make the presumptive leap, you don't mean like the legs of a, of a fine lady. No. Although I like to joke that, like the legs of a fine lady, legs on a wine only tell you how fast it's going to run away from you. Oh, uh, well played, sir. To me, and my understanding of wine legs, they really only tell you one thing, really, uh, about the alcohol content of a wine. But everyone's kind of made this, the legs to be, like, the thing for in a wine. Now, cigar ash. I'm maybe making several presumptive leaps here. I could see how someone would say that a long cap of ash... I don't know, what, what is the right word? Tail, cap, remnant, stub of ash. Stub of ash, that the longer the stub of ash is before it falls off, the better the cigar. Now, is this an actual true thing? Or is it, again, like legs on a wine, really not indicate anything other than maybe how tightly packed the tobacco was? And there's the truth. It's indicative of the density of the tobacco that's rolled into the filler. The density, is it box-pressed? Is it binder, a double binder? Does the, I gotta give some credit to Dion Gialicler for not allow, allowing binders to overlap in his cigars. Thus speaks to the quality of construction of the ash as you smoke the higher grades of Illusion cigars. So yes, it absolutely does matter and it is relevant thing, and similar to the wine industry, the telltale signs of an ash as the cigar burns can tell you lots of, is the cigar densely packed or lightly packed with tobacco? Is it long filler? or is it cheap chopped or short filler tobacco? So yeah, the ash can be one mark of truth that tells you the quality of the cigar you're smoking. Low quality cigar mark, as you're seeing with that leaf um, um, by Oscar Maduro, that's a telltale sign. You've ashed the cigar, an inch, inch and a half of ash came off the foot, and what we see is basically the tail of an ice cream cone, meaning there's a cone point sticking out of the ash end of the cigar with a nice quarter inch ring of ash around the wrapper where the cigar continues to burn. That's indicative of a high quality cigar that's long filler that was rolled well with a good binder and a good wrapper. Okay. So it's just a mark of quality is really all it is. There's not a, you know, any bull on the internet in the, about the mythology or the reading of the tea leaves, so to speak, mm -hmm. about what the ash means, how long it is, the color how it drops. The color can be indicative of the minerality. Is it a white ash, a light gray ash, a dark gray ash? With overhumidified cigars, you'll tend to see a dark ash, a dark gray bordering on black. Because of the water in the leaves creating sort of like a charcoal character? Because exactly. that's kind of how you make charcoal. If the cigars cross the line from the, the magic sweet, sweet spot of humidity inside the cigar at 11 to 12 percent it's crossed the 13 to 14 is the cigar is not burning well. It's too wet, it's over humidified. 
So yeah, the ash can tell you several things, actually really simple in the read and in the action. There's not a lot of uh, reading of the tea leaves, so to speak. You could tell with the uh, Partagas Siri D number four, it had almost two inches of ash before we ashed it. And same thing with the um, Viva Republic of Guerrilla Warfare. Go ahead and ash it in the ashtray and we'll see what we get. You can look at the down of the cigar and do you see what look to be little gray tubes? Yeah, they're, they're there, especially so in, towards the center. And then it's almost like tubes and then wrapped around and then another series of tubes. Little micro tubes of individual Much like the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So the focus here, getting back on, now that we're well into these cigars and they're developing, pairing and tasting three different cigars, the Petite Sirai XM. What are you, kind of, what are you getting, Cody? Well, I haven't tried each of them yet with the wine, shockingly enough, because I've been very focused on the cigars and trying to get their the flavor profile of the cigars as well like for leaf and maduro i get darker character almost like uh, espresso again cacao black pepper almost a cardamom character almost a black tea character definitely some sort of minerality and wow. sea salt minerality in a cigar I don't. I'm. I don't know if that's the right word for it. It is it's a, absolutely. It's a different sort of mineral character than the Viva Republica, the Guerrilla Warfare, which is. This is more like graphite. The Leaf Maduro is that minerality is more like rich slate soil. Flint slate soil. Flint to the slate. Loire region wines. Some of the Chenins uh, are Chenin blancs. Yeah, it, it's more and also lots and lots of black pepper and, and cardamom. It's not necessarily bigger, but it's darker. Like, if I was to assign these cigars on a color spectrum, the leaf would be like a dark charcoal gray. The Guerrilla Warfare would be a lighter shade than that. And I would say that your cigar, which is the... Um, and take a couple puffs, yeah. because it's in its it's in its spot. It's doing good things The Partegas, right uh, the Serie D number four, is lighter still. Part of that's due to that's a uh, about a five-year age cigar. So that's about a 2013-era cigar, and here we are in 2018. And Cubans are used to be renowned for being aged, that hasn't been the case in the last couple of years, the last six or eight years. They've been trying to meet an increasing global demand, so they get them out, and if you buy, let's say, 2017 or spring 2018 cigars, it's highly recommended to sit on them at least a year if you can. Kind of like with uh, Arizona wines, because yeah. there's just not enough time in the cellar spent with a lot of Arizona wines. So taste your wine with that part of this. I'll take the Viva Republica to keep it going. All right. I'll, I'll double fist the cigars while you're giving us some notes on the wine and the partagas. So the partagas is light and nutty. And then, like I was saying earlier, the stone fruit character. Are you picking up anything floral or not on your palate? A little bit. Sort of like a yellow flower. Uh, and then maybe a little bit of jasmine. Uh, there is definitely some floral character. I'm hard-pressed to say exactly what it is. Yeah, it's almost, to me, it's almost an herbaceous floral. Yeah. It makes me think of, like, dandelions almost like what it reminds me of is the dandelion saison i had at uh, dark sky brewery a couple good. of days ago last week good comparison so it's got that sort of herbaceous yellow flower like a dandelion almost i feel that with the uh, siri d i feel that the xm kind of overwhelms it yeah for me it brought out more of a uh, a tart berry like yeah. a, instead of a sweet blackberry, a tart blackberry yeah. with the partagas. Yeah, the and wine enhances the cigar, but the the wine is definitely overruling the cigar in most cases. I think. Yeah, a younger partagas, a two or three year age, would be 
far better suited to this petite Syrah XM. Makes sense. I mean, if you're aging a cigar for about the same reasons that you would be aging a wine. I mean, tannins, well, maybe tannins are a thing in cigars, I don't know. I, I could be talking out my ass here. But if you're aging a, a wine to lighten up the tannins, and you're aging a cigar to lighten up the tobacco, uh, and bring out those lighter tones, then it makes sense that uh, you would want uh, a younger Partagas with this uh, XM as it is right now. I find an interesting thing with this um, drawing on the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare and then tasting the uh, Petit Rocks in, the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare draws out more of the oak and the tobacco of the Petit Rocks in. So I would say, arguably, the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare is a better balanced pairing with the Petit Rocks in than the Partagas. That's May just I? my take. There you go. I'll trade you here and then we'll. Try the leaf by Oscar. Now this is really coming into its own right now. Yeah. We're about halfway, almost halfway into that Viva Republica. And if you taste that Petite Syrah XM, it really brings out the wine. And they both really complement one another. Mm. For my palate, the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare with the Petite Syrah XM, that's the pairing. So far. Yeah. Neither of us have tried it with the leaf, though. And I'll do that right now. Yeah, right. It is bringing out more of those heavier tannic characters uh, in the wine, for sure. So we talked a little bit about legs in wine mm -hmm. and how legs are an indication of alcohol. It's probably the most important thing legs can do, but there's two other things legs can do. So the other thing legs can tell you about wine is the amount of sugar in wine, which mm. I would think with smoking cigars would be really important if you're drinking, for example, a very sweet wine. A port taste, or yeah, we actually have not tried it with the Loire yet. So, um, but the other thing it can that legs, which none of the articles really talk about, but if you look at this wine, this Petite Syrah, and you look at the legs, you'll start to see a stain in them. Now, if that wine didn't have legs, you wouldn't see the stain. You see what I'm saying? And not all wines have a stain. So, for example, Pinot Noir has no stain. Because it's so light. So it's an indicator of body in a wine. Exactly. Well, saying. it's also the indicator, I mean, it's the indicator of the kind of grape that's made, that's used to make the wine. True. And the body, and the richness, the flavor, a lot of things that Sting can tell you. So all of these things are clues to the taste of the wine. Now, your comment about Pinot Noir tangentially makes me think of uh, another weird grape called Pinot d'Anhui, which is sometimes known as Chenin Noir. And I think that a Chenin Noir would be a good pairing with Partagas. It's a lighter bodied red, but it has more weight than Pinot Noir sometimes does. But it's a light to medium bodied red. And I think that uh, with the Partagas, as it is right now, a light to medium or red would be a better pairing. Or maybe some sweet whites. Uh, I'm going to go off the um, record here. This leaf by Oscar Maduro is really coming into its own. It's um, in between the first third and halfway. And what I'm really picking up with this is some sweet green grass and some sweet green hay after it's been cut and it's drying. Okay. You can smell that aroma. And interestingly enough, when I taste the Petit Sraxin with the leaf by Oscar Maduro, it really brings out to me on my palate a prominent blood orange. Huh. Very, very, very unique taste. And this is going to sound strange, especially for me, because I have to admit my bias I am a diehard fan of a Partagas Siri number, Siri D number four. So so far, 
getting close to the halfway mark, I would say so far I would pair number one, the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona with the Petit Sraxen, then the Leaf by Oscar Maduro, then the Partagas Serie D number four. Okay. And what why the Partagas Serie D number four may be so coming in third place is it's a five year old cigar. So it may have lost a little strength and be lagging a little bit where both of these are a little younger and newer and they're a little stronger but um, I would definitely challenge you to taste the leaf by Oscar Maduro and tell me what your impressions are with the Petit Sirac XM challenge accepted I'm out of the Petit Sirac XM so I can't really taste anymore here have some of just a splash there we are since I do you, do you guys want some uh Sweet white. Yeah, actually. I think that that would be great to to step up the game and see what changes and what doesn't change. If there are any things that don't change. Well, grammar going away. Grammar not good for smart making. Oh, yeah, I'm totally getting that grassy character that you're you're talking about. But it's a very unique, at least to me and my palate and just my my lay palate, it's a... uh, like a fresh cut sweet grass it makes almost almost like the uh, herb sweet grass that native americans use in their ceremonies i'm actually thinking of, of sweet grass or buffalo grass buffalo grass the braided sweet grass or braided it, buffalo it makes grass. me think of some really grassy soft blancs i've had from napa that or same sort of grassy character. The I forgot the name of the vodka in Poland. The uh, oh yes, the buffalo grass they use. I have to wanted to try that flavor. For the s- Polish vodka. I, I finally the tasted. The name's escaping me, but that's what that tastes I, like. I, the bottle's at Park Plaza, and I keep meaning to get it, but I keep buying every other thing instead of that bottle. Partly because I didn't know until recently how it tasted. Uh, Understandable. I had a shot uh, of it after. Celebrating my CSW victory. Oh, by the way, if you didn't know, listening to this podcast, it's now Cody Burkett, Wine Monk CSW. Not that it, well, it does matter, but it makes me feel cool. (laughs) But I tasted a shot of that at Casimir's uh, Cowboy Chow, and I really, really liked it. So I need to pick up a bottle at some point. And more importantly, it's a legitimate credential. Mm -hmm. So keeping it it honest. And you're right, I am getting this blood orange character. From the really, cigar, or I'm guessing it's the flavors of the cigar intermingling with the, the leftover finish of the wine. Yeah, um, it's a really it's a really good pairing that leaf by Oscar Maduro with the Petit Sraxen. That is a really really unique wine. If we needed to go Arizona white, we can well, do Loire. We've had a we've had a surprise emerge. <laughs> I'm down for sticking with the Loire for the sweets. There's no point. There's no need to open up. Uh, a late harvest save all blanc from late Chateau harvest Tommy all. from twenty sixteen. I mean we could. I mean we could, it's here. But it's it's somehow shown up. Someone's pulled that rabbit out of the it's hat. Magic. Cody, I'll defer to you and your your Oh gee, I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not sure. <laughs> Let's make Elizabeth thick. Ah, boy, I'd vote that we start with the white wine. Which Chateau. Oh, okay. I can't see the whole label. The Chateau de la Rouleur. Yes. And then we finish with the Arizona Sable Blanc. Yeah. Ooh. I defer to your wisdom. We are in Arizona. Time to saddle up, folks. <laughs> oh, it looks luscious. I know that. The color. It's hard to 
I don't think most people would expect this color to come out of a white wine bottle. Is and since you can't see it through the internet, it's, it's basically a... It looks like polished amber. It does. It does. You almost expect to see like a, a fossil insect or a fossil feather inside of the glass. Amber is a, a righteous... But it's not contrast. an amber wine. The color is due to age. This is a 2012 a Coteau du Léon. Uh, I want to say this is going to be a semi-sweet Chenin. Yes. It is 100% Chenin. Yes! I remembered things from my CSW study. Slow clap. I didn't even have to like look at the back to, to see it. I'm, I feel I feel SMRT. <laughs> I also think on a, on a hot evening, it's a uh, lovely, lovely wine for... So I'm going to go ahead and gamble. Okay. Um, and I have to admit my bias, having saddled up and ridden this pony before, or this fine steed, the 2012 Couteau de Leon from the, is it, how do you pronounce it, Cody? Is it Loire or Loire? Region Loire. In France. Loire. Loire, region in France. Having uh, gotten some saddle time with the Partagas Serie D number four and the Couteau de Leon, it is a superb pairing. With the Partaga? With a partigas, I'll uh, I'll trade you, and I'm gonna shift gears into the Viva Republica guerrilla warfare petty corona. So you know, in the wine world, we talk about old world wine and new world wine. And old world wine is basically Ooh. Europe. Wow. And new world wine is everything else. Okay. So my Ooh. question is: Is there a cigar equivalent of old world, oh new God. world? That's actually a good question. I don't know. We may have to wait a moment. I'm sorry, Elizabeth. I was stunned <laughs> because I have not. I have not. I was uh, trying to get back into the moment here. I just had a few puffs of the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare and then a taste of the Couteau de Leon and uh, had my mind blown. So could you ask me that question again? <laughs> here, let so, me uh, take I'll that let, off your hands I'll so you don't Cody get distracted. I'll let Cody verify. <laughs> Ask me the question again, because I've got to hand that off to Cody. That is something else. That's that is awesome. a stellar, stellar pairing. That that might be the pairing of the podcast. Is the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona with a Couteau de Leon 2012. It brings out something in both, in the wine Ooh. and the cigar. Oh, that is fun. Yeah. Now we've lost them both into a, we'll bliss get back to the into question. a blissful we'll place. Get, don't, so the question was... Um, <laughs> don't lose the train of thought. I need to answer old Elizabeth's question. Old world versus new world. So, equivalent yes. in... Is yeah. there an old world and new world equivalency in cigars? Mm. Cigars, because they're agricultural leaves, and to get the plant to grow taller and thicker and produce more vegetative growth, it's a common practice in any cigar region, be it Nicaragua... Honduras, Dominican Republic, Cuba, Africa, Connecticut, they pinch the flowers off the top of the plant. Not too dissimilar to the practice of getting tomatoes to produce more vegetative growth and become thicker and bushier. So there is a marked difference in old world tobacco and new world tobacco. As the earth has changed, so have agricultural products. So arguably, in many books throughout the recorded history of cigars, there were thicker, denser, richer, higher in oils, uh, concentration in tobacco leaves, and much higher nicotine 
in the 1800s up until the late 1900s. And although the cigar peak was in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and there were literally millions of cigar shops and tobacco companies and cigar companies and rollers across the United States, it's hard to believe now, but cigars were more <coughs> popular from 1850 to 1930 than even now, even though the population of the earth has doubled. So what you have now in the modern era, particularly in the last 20 to 30 years, population of the earth has doubled. We're north of 7 billion people. There's such a high demand for cigars globally that demand almost can't meet supply. And as more things occur with storms, hurricanes, floods, rains, heat, drought, whatnot, we're running into a problem, and I'm not in the cigar industry, but the problem's emerging. The quality of tobacco has gone down slightly. The quality of rolling and quality control has gone down slightly to meet global demand increases. In the cigar industry, after the late 90s, that was the second spike and boom, a massive vertical spike in cigar, the cigar industry globally from 92 to probably 2002. That tapered off and it was kind of flat from 02 up until about 2010 and then it's picked back up. So this is arguably the third renaissance in the cigar industry globally. So there is a huge difference, and one of the big things that affected cigar crops globally, particularly in Cuba and Central America, has been blue mold and some other pathogens, some other funguses. And having smoked cigars out of Cuba since I was 20 years old and I'm 48 now, I can tell you without a doubt, there is a massive difference just in my lifetime of the Cuban cigars that were available in the 90s to the mid-2000s. They had to develop new hybrid tobaccos in Cuba and in Nicaragua and Honduras and the Dominican Republic as hurricanes, storms, pathogens, bacteria, mold have decimated in different, uh, different eras the tobacco crops. The old world tobaccos were arguably better in the new world, is it's improving the quality, but global demand is so high now with the population that as soon as you see something that you've smoked and you know it's good, you better get it because something could happen to change that next crop three to five years later. Wow. So that's a long, that's a long way around to but answer it, the question. To, it's the same thing with wines. To it's sum up, the same thing with wines, yeah. To sum up what my understanding of this was is that there is a big difference between the old school quality focusing on a region focusing on flavor versus the new world wines which are um, possibly new world style cigars which is focused on production and, and making sure that there's a quota filled which right. is profits oversimplifying old world new world wines but when you get down to it you know you're not going to the french would never be like oh we're going to overcrop this shannon vineyard to get, you know, 10,000 cases in every restaurant in Paris. Mm -hmm. and, and in that regard, we have to give credit to the French. Yeah. They hold quality over quantity. And we've, we've seen that play out locally, and Cody, you can speak to this better than I can. For me as a consumer, just in the last 12 years in the Arizona wine market, I can absolutely tell you I have had to seek out those quality wine producers, uh, similar to the cigar question that Elizabeth asked old world versus new world and quality versus quantity. We've gone through the evolution in 12 years right here locally in the state of Arizona. 
just in the north part of Arizona, in my little region of the Verde Valley, I have had to seek out and find the quality small lot wine producers and stick with them and get what's available as I reasonably can accommodate this the wine budget because the quantity wines have gone so far down, the quantity wines, I don't fool with them. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a big wine snob. I'm not a big uh, you know, wine connoisseur. I would say I'm a, a novice aficionado of wines, a fan of wines. But there's a lot of wines that you see trending or people are buying up at the grocery store from Arizona. I steer away from because it's not worth it. Why would I spend 20 or 30 bucks at the grocery store on something I know is not as good where I can go to a small lot producer that no one knows about and it's not in the grocery store and it's arguably a 50 or 100, 50, 80 or 100 dollar bottle of wine for 20 or 30 bucks. And you can put it up against anything from Europe or from California even Oregon. That's a bold statement for a wine consumer to make, but I'll, I'll defer to you on that. Cody. No, I, I'm, I'm with you. Speaking of wine pairing, though, try the leaf with it, because what I've noticed is that it's bringing out the nutty characters in the wine. And I'll hand you the Partagas back. So I've switched to the leaf by Oscar Maduro. Sadly, our, our Viva Republic has cashed out. We're, I think, yeah. We're I, down to the last. And I'm telling you, my friend, that's worth taking to the nub. So let the Partagas rest and get get it while the getting's good with that Viva Republica. They're worth burning your fingers over. They're that good. I don't want to bias your experience. No, I'm with you on that. It's lovely. A friend of mine has this very long, um, basically, bronze or brass spike that he uses, and, and now I'm really wishing that I had one of those for this. So I had a conversation with a man from Belgium recently, and... Um, oh, yeah, with the corkscrew, duh. He asked me about using irrigation in Arizona wine. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely, we do in Arizona. Some do, some don't. Well, actually, Most... in Arizona, they all Ooh. do. But, but because we have no water, so that's kind that's of the only way working, to get enough water on your grapes to make enough grapes Shit, to have out. sufficient wine. So, um, and he said, oh, in France, there's no irrigation. It's not well, they've got a, they've got a, a good problem of consistent water mm-hmm. with all the valleys and and rain massive massive and higher aquifers i mean yes. france is what's the scale of france to arizona two and a half arizonas probably three arizonas roughly mm-hmm. i'm not a geologist but that sounds about right in terms of geographic size france yeah. is half the size of texas maybe the size of two or three arizonas uh-huh. so they've got a massive mediterranean and more massive atlantic coast yeah and then they have massive mountains. river valleys and mountains so they've got the right climate arizona i mean we have the right are, but we have the right climate for sometimes different grapes that are in france yes um, oh, we have some visitors quail. some quails are coming for dinner they come every night there was also an abert's tohi on the fence and i saw a blue growth speak earlier yes just in case you didn't know this isn't a birding podcast this is Cody Burkett, the Wine Monks podcast, <laughs> reviewing Petit Sirai XM and three different cigar pairings. That but we there have are shifted birds. to the Couteau de Leon with the same three cigars. Yes. And unfortunately, there won't be any left of the uh, Guerrilla Warfare to determine whether it would pair with the Saval. It's gone. It's we, gone. Cody took it down to the, the nub. And it went out. Nub. I mean, if I relit it, I could probably get another couple puffs on it, but. And what's your summary of your Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare experience? Lovely. 
I hope that someone makes more cigars like that again, or that they make uh, a sort of revitalized version of it. Um, Jason Hawley, in case you're listening, hopefully you and Guillermo Leone and Manuel Inoa at La Aurora can uh, bring the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfares back. We're we're sorely in need of them. So what is something that is in, in, in the cigar market now that I could find, say, at Park Plaza Liquor Deli or Lloyd's Liquors that would kind of approximate the guerrilla warfare experience? A, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I'll throw two or three out there. I would okay. say a... So Steve Saka, he has Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust. I would say his Sober Mesa series, anything in the Sober Mesa line, anything in the Mi Querida line, uh, my one of my favorites is the Pequeno Pequeno. Um, with the Sober Mesas, it's the short Churchills, or the half Churchill, I should say, or the uh, Elegante San Cedro. It's a cedar-wrapped Sober Mesa, superb cigar. I would put those on par with that Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare. I would even say the um, there's a guy, um, Nick Melillo. I hope, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. I'm not butchering it too bad. Um, at Foundation Cigars out of Nicaragua. He, his uh, pseudonym is also Nick R. Agua. Eh. Don't, don't, but it's it's true sta- true story there. He has in his Foundation Cigars a brand called El Wawense. A strange name, but it's a um, cultural dance down in Nicaragua, if I'm not mistaken. I may be mistaken. It may be Honduras. Uh, I'm, I'm over-served with wine and cigars at this point. Slightly. Darn. Darn. So the El Wawense Corona Gorda, basically anything in the El Wawense line, okay. or the El Wawense Maduros. And okay. as a matter of fact, interesting t- that you brought that up, today, Cigar Aficionado, and again, they don't pay us, or at least they don't yet, released a rating on the El Wawense Maduro, and they are not on the market, so if you see them, you better get them. Wawense Maduro, I believe they reviewed a Robusto and they gave it a 95 rating. Hmm. And for Cigar Aficionado to hand that out, that that would be, I don't know what that would be in the wine world, that would basically be a... That would basically be a, a 96 or above in the wine world. So it's interesting to note, that's what I would put on par with that Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona. There's a bunch of others, but um, this is a wine podcast, not a cigar podcast. That's okay. And touching back on the leaf by Oscar Maduro with this Couteau de Leon... I almost thought it was a cashew nut. You said nut, but it's something um, different, and I'm, it's escaping me right now. I will hand you the chart. I'm going to stick with cashew. I'm going to stick with my guns. Don't need to look at the chart. Okay. The, it's a. I would say, for me and my palate, the Viva Republica Guerrilla Warfare Petty Corona with a Couteau de Leon it's a, is the pairing. Even though it's a, a sweeter wine. I would put the Partagas Serie D number four in second place. Yeah. And I would put the Leaf by Oscar Maduro in third place. All very unique, very distinct, very different. They all bring out different characteristics in the wine, and the wine brings out different characteristics of the cigar that if you're smoking the cigar by itself without the wine, you're never going to pick up. Yeah. So it's one of those things that I would encourage anyone, don't be afraid to try building that palate. Now, on that note, it's very interesting that the clear versatility of the Guerrilla Warfare, because here are two wines that are about as different as you can get in in our respective cellars. 
uh, a semi-sweet old world Loire Valley Shannon, and then the new world Petit Straw XM. But what I think that it's interesting is that the Rilla Warfare is shown to be very versatile for these two different, entirely different styles of wine. Yes, that's a cutter. We'll get to that later. Cutting another cigar. Well, it was interesting listening to the two of you say that because when you when you brought up how well it paired with both, I thought that I, myself just listening wine, not smoking cigars, I was like, I was uh, very shocked that it went so well with both wines. I was not expecting a, a, a single cigar to go well with the two things we threw at it. And I did admit my bias, having previously experienced the Couteau de Leon yeah. several cigars, particularly the Partagas Serie D number 4. Which is fantastic with it. But it still doesn't match up to that Viva Republica guerrilla warfare with the Couteau de Leon, which is odd. You wouldn't think that powerful of a Dominican cigar would do well with a sweet, sweet wine. To me, that was, it was superb. Elizabeth, what what are your thoughts on the aroma from the cigars? They were all kind of blending together when they, you know, traveled over to my little corner of the table. So I can't say that I really discerned a, a difference in the aroma of the different cigars. But did they work well with the wines? They did. They worked fabulous with the wines. It made me wish I could still smoke cigars. To say it was not a turnoff. Definitely not. As a consumer of wine. It wasn't for me. I mean, I, I don't know if other people would be turned off. Sure, sure, sure. It, sure. it was definitely not for me. I thought it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. Good to hear. Well, on that note, we're going to stay here hanging. Uh, we're going to have dinner. We're going to have one more cigar. And I'm, I'm not going to tell you what it is. And one more pairing of wine. And one more pairing mistaken. of wine. But some things are best left to the imagination. But I think it's safe to say... What what cherry we're going to put on the top of this Sunday to wrap Yeah, we, we could do that and make everyone jealous. So I'll do the cigar and I'll let Cody do the wine. So the wine we're going to be sipping as a closer is going to be the Late Harvest Sabal Blanc from DA Ranch Vineyard made by Chateau Tumbouille. It's one of Arizona's few Late Harvest dessert wines. It's not a style that we usually do here in Arizona and DA Ranch with their Sabal Blanc is one of the few vineyards in Arizona that can do it consistently. Because of the unique nature of Sabal that it just is out putting out grapes over the course of the whole season. So you're able to have grapes that sit there for three, four, five months and three get up to, in this case, it was harvested at 29.7 bricks, which is almost unheard of for any Arizona vineyard. In most Arizona vineyards, it's, it's a struggle to get, because of the monsoons, uh, to 25, 26. It's sitting at about 6% residual sugar. Yavapai County, uh, 3,500 feet to read the back label. Uh, 40 cases produced. Full cluster pressed. Chilled and settled 48 hours prior to racking in addition of specially selected yeasts. Fermented in stainless steel at 55 degrees Fahrenheit for 19 days. Fermentation arrested around 6% residual sugar by weight. Malolactic fermentation inhibited. Seven months in stainless steel. Minimal cold stabilization, no heat stabilization, filtered but unfined. And Cody, you know I'm not a wine pro, but I will add. As a lay person, I don't think I need to stress, and I sound like I'm plugging Chateau Tumbleweed. Oh, I do it. I've done it so many times. Literally, 40, 40 cases means 480 bottles. Yeah. So if you're interested in this at all, you had better uh, call Chateau Tumbleweed or find it wherever you can find it. Because it's also worth noting... This is not your typical 750 mil bottle. This mm -hmm. is a 375 mil bottle. It's a half size bottle. What is that in the wine world? Two, two and a half glasses? 
Yep. Instead of three to five or four to six. Yep. So it's a half bottle. So really 240 bottles of this wine out there. Yep. You better get on it because it's going to be gone quickly. It'll probably be gone before this fall. I'm oh, not in the wine industry, but I'm going to go ahead and lay my dollar on the table and bet. <laughs> and whatever bottles are left behind in the fall, they'll be eaten up by uh, the snowbirds that come in that always beg me. Well, do you have anything sweet? No, go, go fish. So if you're one of the first people to hear this podcast, when Cody gets it polished up and puts it out, you might be jump on it. And right in line with that, we're pairing a just as rare cigar. It is an Atabay Divinos, um, arguably the smallest of the Atabays, but one of the tastiest. So that's what we're wrapping this out with. And um, you can't find the Atabay Divinos everywhere. It's a Costa Rican cigar that has been um, mentioned that the, that the tobacco is from the Greater Antilles. No one can back that up because the filler the binder and the wrapper undisclosed so what we can tell you quote unquote costa rican cigar from selected tobaccos and it's the atabay divinos paired with the chateau tumbleweed late harvest save all blanc a smoky slightly sweet superb wine on that note gang cheers, cheers.